If you're anything like me, when things are not going according to plan, may have the tendency to want to control things. My guests today, Lauren and Michael McAfee, are here to talk about that tendency towards control and how it actually prevents us from being able to experience the peace that we're really after. On today's episode of The Truth and Our Trauma. Ever sit down to pray and end up thinking about what you need to buy at the store instead? No judgment. I've totally been there. And that's why I decided to create the Ignite Strategic Prayer Planner and Journal. Know what to pray, track your impact, and learn to hear God's voice for yourself. Ignite is more than just a journal. It's a journey. And it's available now on Amazon and at the link in the show notes. When things are out of control, it is natural for us to try to figure out what is the way I can get things back under control. We all do this to some extent, and yet there are times in our lives where sometimes things are just so broken and things are so beyond our human capacity to do anything about them that we have to confront the reality of what it is in those moments to learn that God is in control. Now, I don't know what that thing is for you. For me, it was a divorce. It was the end of a relationship and then all of the things that come with that. My guests today, Lauren and Michael McAfee, are here to share their journey and to give us some insight into their road through infertility and adoption and also sickness and loss. Whatever you're carrying into this conversation today, I just pray that you'll hear something of your experience validated, that you'll understand that this is a a real road that we all have to go through, but that you'll also have something tangible that you can take away to know how to step forward when control is no longer an option. Michael, Lauren, thank you for sitting down with me today. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having us. It's great to be here. I'm excited to talk with you all today, too, because this topic of control is something that a lot of us have to deal with. And oftentimes, it's difficult circumstances that really bring these things to the forefront for us. Wanted to know if you would start us out with just a brief overview of your story and just give us a glimpse into what led you into writing Beyond Our Control. Yeah, so we... um... Lauren and I uh, grew up together. We're Sunday school sweethearts. And so we've been around each other uh, basically our whole life, got married and uh, really throughout um, college, career, you know, kind of everything we ever wanted in life felt like it was within our control. You know, we wanted to graduate from college and do seminary. And so you just work hard and it happens and uh, wanted to advance in our career. And so same thing. And so you just kind of begin to be lulled into this idea that, uh, everything that you want is kind of available at your fingertips. If you work hard and trust the Lord and, you know, and, um, and so didn't realize that I was believing like really a prosperity gospel that, uh, uh, in that way, I mean, I'm a, I'm a preacher. So I was working at a church, Lauren's working at Christian nonprofit and we began thinking about kids. And so we were going to start through adoption, um, that ended up, uh, being delayed, 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 and then falling, you know, um, the country we were originally going through, fell through. And so we switched countries. And in the midst of this, we start trying to have kids biologically and that's not happening. And we're both fairly healthy people can't 
kind of no explanation, you know, trying to figure out why is it so hard for us adoption, fertility, like, and, uh, and so um, God, through our experience of, of childlessness, and then eventually um, going through children, and some of those um, situations that we'll talk about, really showed us that we uh, did not have control of our lives the way we thought we did. And um, the book is just kind of sharing our journey, our perspective, especially with kids, um, as sort of an illustration for what we were learning, what God was teaching us through his word um, about the lack of control um, that we had in our own lives and the areas that we assumed that we did have control and we actually did. Yeah. And, and Michael says prosperity gospel, meaning like we, we would, we were even push we would push back on prosperity gospel ideas and kind of the, the real obvious, like blatant examples of that, I think are easier to say like, yeah, well, like we know that's not like, we know that's not true. We know that's not the Bible, but really it was like a deeper um, expectations that we had in our lives that if you kind of, you do the work, you love the Lord and you trust him, like good things will come kind of like good things, prosperity. We wouldn't have said prosperity, but good things in life. Like if you want kids, like that's a good thing. And we pray and trust the Lord. And like, we know that that's a good thing for the Lord that the Lord would want us to have. Like you trust him with that. Like it'll just happen. And it's like, Oh, like we were believing kind of this expectation of God that really isn't actually what we see in scripture. It's like, Mm -hmm. We should also expect that hard things are going to happen. I mean, it's a broken world. We are sinful people. And like, you just look at scripture and you see like people have walked through hardships um, and even as they have trusted the Lord. And so it was that kind of an expectation that we didn't even realize we had of God, that he should and would give us good things. And of course he has given us good things in our lives. And we, we are grateful for that. Um, but we, we shouldn't, I guess we were, uh, recognizing the surprise that we had whenever we had to walk through hard seasons and really saying, oh, like we had a false expectation and really, I mean, we needed to just be looking to scripture Mm -hmm. to give us the, like the right truthful understanding of who God is, um, in his goodness and his providence. I resonate with what both of you are saying. It is somewhat of this formulaic approach to our faith where it's like, well, I'm just going to do A and B and C and then A and B and C and we just keep, you know, we just check all the boxes. And there is a period of time for some of us that that works. And so we sort of get this sense that it's like, well, I put my coin in and outcomes, you know, the, the outcome that I want. And it's in the disturbances, though, we start to realize that's not not only is that not true for everybody, that's not true for life. That's not true for a, re- a true relationship with God, that he is not formulaic, that it is not something that we can just good works our way through, for example, you know, and do everything just according and just so in order to make life flow and make it easy for us. And you all, especially on top of the infertility journey and the adoption journey had a couple of really specific heartbreaking circumstances that really drew that out. Would you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So whenever we, so we were in the adoption process for nearly seven years by the time we finally, we were, we were matched with our daughter in uh, China uh, international adoption and we brought her home and we just, we, we were, it had been such a long, I mean, seven years of pursuing adoption and waiting and praying and longing to grow our family. Um, 
And then that finally, we got our daughter and she was home with us for seven weeks and then was suddenly diagnosed with cancer. Um, We were doing a routine medical exam to check for something else, like a minor uh, issue that she might need a surgery on her spine. And the scan from that revealed that she had a large tumor on her liver that we had no um, uh, idea about and the doctors didn't expect it all, but they happened to catch this cancer, um, this tumor that was cancerous. So we, you know, all of a sudden we were, we were having to go to the emergency room, check into the hospital. We were having to plan for a surgery. She was going to have to do chemotherapy. And, you know, again, going back to that expectation, I was like, okay, we did this hard season of waiting and like longing and God finally fulfilled this desire for us to have our daughter. And, and then the cancer diagnosis hit like so early on that it, it was like, how is how, like, how is this what God's plan was? Well, and I remember not just how, and cause this is fresh in our minds. It was four years ago, yesterday as the day of the, this recording that it happened. And so even that season, you know, of like, you know, the day brings back a lot of these memories. And, um, it, I remember feeling that day. And this is why I say, like, I was believing a false prosperity gospel. I didn't realize is my instinct reaction was God, we've already done our hard part. Like mm-hmm. our, we have a lot of friends that didn't have any trouble having kids and have like grown their family. And we go through this period of seven years of trying to adopt, trying to have kids biologically, nothing happens. We finally bring her home after a lot of time and expense to like go through this process. And then seven weeks in, she has cancer. And it was like my gut reaction. We've done our suffering to have kids. Like it's sort of not wanting, wishing on anyone else, but like it's someone else's turn to have some Mm -hmm. form of suffering. Like, why are you putting us through another trial? And so, yeah, as we walked through that, it was learning to. Yeah. Trust. Yeah. Trust God that, you know, we couldn't control these circumstances that we were facing. I mean, there was nothing we could do to really, I mean, we could give Zion the best care and take her to the best doctors. But beyond that, like we were so reliant on the hospitals, the doctors, the nurses to help us know, like, what do we do? How do we care for her? Um, And how do we have the best possible outcome? So in that season of things being completely out of our control, we, we had to wrestle with, okay, we kind of thought we could control things in our lives to some extent. And now there is literally nothing like, there's not a lot we can bring to the table to control the outcome of this. Um, and so in that season where kind of your, your kind of expectation for life is shaken, it really makes you reevaluate kind of your, what you believe. And so we had to continue to go to scripture to say, okay, maybe we, we were believing things wrongly. What is the truth? And we were constantly seeing, okay, God is the God who is in control. Like we don't have the control we wish we could have had. God has control and in his providence and sovereignty, he is in control of all this. And when you're going through a hard season of things you wish weren't happening and it's like, okay, well, God is in control of this and he's still, he's allowing this to happen. So then you have the question of, okay, is he good? Like, is he good that he is my one-year-old daughter is in a hospital bed with cancer? Like, is he good? And so again, it's like going, you had to go to scripture and and look at, okay, what is the character of God? Um, is he good? And Yes, like in his providence, he is good, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of those painful points. Um, 
And with Zion, like praise God, she ended up in remission. So for those you know, like on the edge of their seat, like what's the outcome? She praise God is um, over three years in remission from her cancer now, and she's just doing amazing and she's great. But walking through that season of her cancer diagnosis, after she was in remission, we started the adoption process again. And we were really quickly matched with a birth mom that chose us to parent her son. And he was born in December. And we brought him home from the hospital. He he was our son. We settled into kind of being a family of four. And and our daughter was, you know, getting used to having a brother and we, everything was kind of moving forward as expected for an adoption. And we had a great open relationship with birth mom. And she, um, you know, was very, um, you know, set on her decision that she wanted us to parent. And due to some, some situation that happened in the process, it looked like there could be a chance that the adoption might not be able to be finalized. And so, it was in the year of COVID. And so courts were really delayed. So we ended up having our son in our home for 12, over 12 months before the court finally heard his case to determine kind of hit the fate of where he would go. And for most of that, we, we, there were a lot of reasons for us to think that Ezra, our son would be with us forever and that he would be in our home and, and birth mom continued to want that to happen all the way through And in the end, due to uh, we had a judge that had never made a ruling on an adoption case before, and he heard our case and did some really unusual things um, that our agency had never seen done before in adoptions. And it ended with us being told that we had two and a half hours to say goodbye to our son forever and hand him over to someone else. And we have not seen him since. And so that's almost, we're almost to the two year anniversary of saying goodbye to our son. And that, that is a season in our life that again, completely out of our control. It was completely up to the judge to determine the fate of this child who he had never met. And, you know, us who he had never met. And, um, it was completely in someone else's hands. We couldn't control it. And, and when we lost our son, it was again, like, okay, this, you know, our daughter's cancer experience, like that ended, you know, it was, it was a very traumatic season, but it ended with like the good result of remission. Here is a season we walked through where we had, we said goodbye to a son. Like he was our son and we said goodbye and we have no idea um, if we'll ever see him again. We, we, we don't have that expectation. We haven't heard from him in almost two years. And so again, it was like, whoa, like that. Sorry. Again, that was just a moment of really having to wrestle to the ground. Okay. I know these things, these truths in scripture be true, but like, do I really believe that? Like, do I, do I believe that in my heart and feel that? And there were moments I did not feel like God was good that, that this was what he had for us to walk. He knew that Ezra wouldn't end up staying with us forever yet for whatever reason. And, you know, God knows, and I don't know, um, he had us to have that son for a year and, um, learning, walking through those pain points in life certainly pressed me to, to kind of dig deeper into believing in those truths that I had said cognitively, I believed, but they got into my heart in a deeper way because I had to walk, I could, because I had walked through the pain and that's, that's a, you know, a, 
a gift that can come from our pain points is that I have deeper levels. I definitely feel deeper levels of intimacy in my relationship with God that I would not have had and could not have had had I not walked through that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but it does take us like continuing to go back to the truth and continuing to say, yeah, we like, we believe what God says about his character. Like we have to, we believe what he says in scripture that he is good and he is in control and, and he has in mind his glory and our good, even through the trials of life. I love the fact that you all admitted the fact that you had to ask God these hard questions and over and over and over again, are you good? What are you doing? Because I know there's as much as someone could be listening and go, well, I don't know if I can come to the same conclusion. I don't know if where I'm at right now, I can agree with you that I think God is good. You're still giving the jumping off point, which is ask the hard questions. That's where David is in the Psalms is constantly saying over and over and over again, this is what I see. This is what's going on. What are you doing, Lord? And it's only in our personal journey, as much as you could say, yes, God is good in these things. And through the things I've been through, I can say, yes, God is good. It is for each of us to traverse and to go through individually in order for us to arrive uniquely at that point. And it's something that nobody can can shortcut for you as much as we can tell you, though. Yes, you can arrive there. Yeah. Well, and you have to you arrive there over and over again, right? Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. Like the same way that I, whenever I was with, you know, in the hospital with Zion going, Lord, what are you doing? We've already had our time of suffering for kids. I, the same way, like, it was like, I forgot it. As soon as we had Ezra and we're in the same situation all over again, you know, of we started working on our book, Beyond Our Control, the project after Zion's cancer, thinking like, oh, we've learned that lesson. And what ended up being God's kindness to us is I pray the book ministers to others. It ministered to us as we wrestled through our own lack of control and kind of even like the way the book's laid out. It's like you begin by, you know, realizing like, oh, there's these misconceptions that I have that lead to wrong expectations. And that sets me up for disappointment. Right. And then grieving and fear of like, how do I what do I what am I doing wrong that, you know, that my control is slipping away And that when you finally kind of lay it down and surrender, that's when you realize like God is the one that was in control all along. It was not that I had control of these other points in my life. It's that God had control of all of these areas of my life. And I was lulled into this false understanding of somehow I controlled it. And so then when I look backwards, you know, it's easy to look back at Zion and go at the end of 2019, months before the pandemic, we go and get this girl who had a tumor on her liver that no one knew about. And we only discovered it incidentally because of the scan. So it's stage one and they're able to remove it with just minor, you know, a few rounds of chemotherapy, but not nearly, it hadn't metastasized and all these things. And, 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 and China shut down and and we still were able to save this girl's life. And it's easy to look back and go, look at how the Lord was at work in all of these ways to save this girl's life, that it was just at the right time. But the same God that was providentially, leading all of those circumstances was also providentially leading this this boy into our home, having us and our daughter love him as if he was part of our own family. And I remember when we found out that there was a possibility that we would have to say goodbye, however remote, thinking, God, you wouldn't do that. Like if this boy was in our home, like number one, why would you lead us down this road of pain in general? And number two, 
if he's in our home, like he's going to hear the gospel, he's going to grow up in a Christian home. Like we're going to, you know, put him into a Christian school, like all these things of like, you kind of logic yourself into, well, obviously you would be glorified through his, you know, uh, being in this environment. And, uh, and it felt like, you know, the Lord kind of speaking back to me saying, oh, so I need you mm-hmm. to do that. Like, I need you, you're, you're who I need to, in order to use, um, this boy in his life. And so the same God that was providentially guiding all of those circumstances that led to our daughter's life, literally being saved was also the same God that was leading us and leading Ezra to having us have him in our home for a year, only to uh, under the most unusual circumstance, the judge came in, ruled on our case, and then left the family law bench. Like, you know, it's easy to point at that and go, how is that fair? Like, what what happened here? But it's like, that was God's painful providence in our life. And we can't explain what he's doing, but but we know why. Like, we know the purpose is Romans 8, 28, that God does work thing, all things together for our good. And that good is ultimately that we would have more of himself. Mm-hmm. We would have a deeper intimacy with God, that even God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, that uh, that we have a unique, uh, that, that the, the uniqueness of the Christian faith is that we have a God that has entered into our suffering mm-hmm. and that is keenly aware of, of what it is like to suffer. And specifically, God the Father is aware of what it's like to to watch his own son suffer and to lose uh, a son uh, to give him up for us all on the cross. And so, so that was our comfort and the the kind of, of reason that we found in our suffering, but learning that we're not in control is a process that I've had to learn again and again. We have a chapter in the book um, on grief and a chapter on anxiety. And I encourage people like create space to process those things because we don't do ourselves favors when we like diminish or diminish uh, or try to push back what we we have as those emotions. Because again, like God created us with emotions, but we shouldn't be controlled by our emotions, but we can be informed by our emotions. And so um, create space to process those in healthy ways and continue to go to truth in the midst of that in, in whatever ways we can. Okay, this one is for all my overthinkers out there. I used to be absolutely debilitated by intrusive thoughts. Everything from constant worry to just dread of the future, I couldn't make it stop. If you're there right now, I have developed a free downloadable guide to help you get your mind back. It's called Overthinking. Get out of your head and on with your life. And you can download it for free right now at UncommonValor.co. What you both just shared, there's so much treasure, so much treasure in what you both just shared. And I think, you know, to encompass really what I hear in both of your stories is the fact that through these experiences, you had such a deep revelation of the fact that we have a God who is not detached from us in our suffering. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the most frightful things is when we are suffering and we're scared and we don't know where God is. And sometimes our tendency to control actually cuts us off from those experiences. So as much as we're trying to do in our own strength or not tell people what's going on or not really press into the things that we just would rather, you know, step back from and go throw ourselves into something else that we are missing the encounter 
And it's only through the grief. It is through sharing with people. In your case, it was writing a book, but for another person, it might be a journal though of remembering, oh yeah, God brought us through. It looks different this way this time, but the principles are the same. He is still the same. I read my Bible and I see that he is still the same as he was in those pages, you know? And it's all of these pieces together though, where we have the ability to scale back and just go at it one day at a time. And I think sometimes we may have this tendency to want to circumvent that process or avoid it, or we get stuck in it. And one of the ways though that this happens is by us trying to figure it out or to like find the purpose. So like what you were saying, you know, as far as as um, just trying to hurry, like, let's hurry through and find the meaning of it. And we can, you know, just sort of yeah. like tie a tidy bow on it and like, look at our God story, you know, and it's like, <laughs> he's constantly writing the pieces. And some of those we have to hold in the tension of going, I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the story. Yeah. With Ezra, you're in that tension of that space of like, Lord, we don't know what yeah. that was all about. And yeah. I think that, so this is one of my favorite quotes in the book. I think, Michael, it might be a quote that you wrote, but it says, I don't think we can always find purpose in the pain we face. And I think that is such a real and powerful statement of the fact that sometimes it's not going to make sense. Sometimes we might see like, oh, Lord, I see what you did with that. You know, we can see his his hand very powerfully of you, as you mentioned, in the case of Zion being able to get the medical care that she needed at the time she needed it. Right. But then there are other circumstances where we're like, this doesn't make sense. And it's being able to hold that tension, though, of going, he does, though. He know yeah. he knows, you know, Isaiah 55 comes back to me over and over and over that his ways are higher than our ways. We cannot even fathom the way he's working these pieces out. And we have yeah. to be able, though, to to express our lament and our feelings and all that stuff in the real time to receive his comfort, to even have a sense of where do I go after this? Yeah, well, and that's. If if you have a worldview where the purpose of your life is um, like you're looking for the purpose of your suffering to be played out in your life and for you to see it like you're going to be disappointed. You know, there's pain this side of Eden and we don't see the purpose played out in all of our pain. But if your worldview really hinges on a good God created the entire universe for his own glory, then no matter if it's if it's um, gifts and blessing and flourishing or if it's pain and hardship and trial, then you know, okay, a God who's in charge of all of this is using both of these things for his glory um, and for my good, but the good is not good in this world, right? So Romans 8.28 is true. And um, Say Romans 8.28 8, um, for God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so that is true for me. That is true in my life, but not in my earthly circumstances. So you can't convince me that my life is better because I don't have Ezra, you know, or our son that's gone. Like there's no, no world where losing a child improves your life. So if you're looking for every, under every rock of suffering, like, well, how is, you know, I didn't get the job I wanted, but there's a better job around the corner. Or, you know, I didn't, you know, this relationship fell apart, but that's only opening up another relationship. No, maybe it does. Maybe those things do happen, but 
The Lord works all things together for our good in that the very best thing that can happen to you or me or anyone listening to this podcast, the very best thing that can happen is that we would grow closer to God. That is our the best possible outcome in our life. And so the Lord brings both good and difficult circumstances to that end. And the reality is, is that he uniquely uses those painful circumstances in our life to open up the capacity for more intimacy with him in a way that um, that we cannot access through only kind of the 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 best of life. And everything is going our way because what ends up happening to our sinful hearts, we talk about this, I think in chapter two, is we start expecting that the good gifts that God have has given to us are not gifts from him, but they're sort of givens of life. Well, of course you're healthy. And of course you get married. And of course you have kids and like whatever the kind of, of, of expectations that we have for our life, we don't turn around and give God praise for them because this is how life is supposed to go. But it's when the world comes crashing down and you realize you don't have control that that's when you turn to God and go, oh my goodness, that not only is this piece true that you're in control, but you're in control of other things in my life. And forgive me for expecting that we would have a house with air conditioning and heating, you know, like whatever it is that you just kind of immediately expect that this is how life is supposed to be. Um, instead, rather than sort of assuming that you're filled with worship, which is what we were created for. Mm, yeah. And this perspective is not fatalistic. It's not hopeless. Yeah. You know, what What I see in, in, in this and what you mentioned in the book is the eternal perspective that, yeah. yes, there are some good things that we'll be able to see and understand about our suffering or anything really in, in this life. And then there's some we won't. And that's all supposed to detach us from the things that can't fill us up, from the things we can't put our hope in, from the things that we'll never find security and that will always disappoint us, attach us so deeply in our core to the Lord, and then give us that heaven view that it's like, yeah. this is not all there is, people. This is not it. Yeah. <laughs> this is not right. it. <laughs> We know that someday we will be in eternity with God and all tears will be wiped away and all the wrong things will be made right because that is our God and he is so big and good. And we have that promise because of Christ. And so in, in the, like the, the pain of the moment to think, okay, I don't understand the why, and I'm not going to, I might not ever get that gift here on this side of, of heaven. Like I have the hope and the joy of looking to eternity, knowing that I will be with God someday in eternity. And we, you know, we know that because we read, you know, the we read revelation, like we know that God is um, going to make all things right. And so that gives us hope, not only for our future, but for now that gives us hope for our present, because we can know that that is what we have coming. Um, and, and I think that helps us to not try and, manufacture like purpose in the pain. Um, I, I think that's always going to be a tendency. I mean, even now, like I can certainly look at like the pain and see how God has used it. Cause I, and I do think that that is real, but also like, I'm not going to know to the full extent why God had it, that we were going to have a son for a year and then say goodbye to him. Like, I don't know. And I may never know, like, you know, we think of in, in, in uh, the old Testament, we can see Joseph, he walked through all these hardships and kind of at the end, like it all culminates with, oh, but like God, like what you intended for evil, God used for good because he, yes, he was 
sold into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was imprisoned, like all of these horrible things. But God was using it, obviously, to get him to a place where he could raise in power to be able to um, plan ahead for this famine and then provide for his family and his people, you know, eventually. And like, wow, he got to see that, you know, obviously he went through years of pain and then got to see that at the um, kind of end of that pain, painful season. Whereas like Job, like he lost everything and yes, he gets things back, but he like, we don't see that God has ever explained to him or he had that aha moment of like, oh, but this is why all of that happened. It was like, he just, he lost everything. And like, he went through that suffering and yes, blessings came back into his life, but he didn't get the, that aha moment here on earth. Obviously we can now look back and we see like God, you know, his story is told in scripture. Like God has used his story, Job's story for millennia to, to speak to us. And we have the benefit of seeing what God, but Job didn't have that. Like he didn't have the behind the scenes look to see like, oh, God was, you know, going to use this for scripture and all of those things. So we may not see the bow on the end of our pain in this life, but we know that we have an eternal God and we will be with him in eternity and we can trust him because of that. And we can have hope because of that. And I think that, that those are promises that certainly sink in deeper when you've actually had to walk through the pain points um, that allow us that deeper intimacy with the Lord because of, because of the pain. Yes. And I think more than purpose, what we gain from these encounters and these experiences is presence. It's knowing the presence. It's knowing what it is to more tangibly, not only experience that eternal victory in our souls, but to lean into it and to to just live from it in in whatever way is still possible knowing yeah. all the while that there's a the greatest fulfillment of it that we cannot imagine is still to come you said something important that i want to draw back to also though you said it's important not for us to manufacture i thought that was such a great yeah. word and the reason it keys into me right now is that we're on we're in the midst of this holiday season and your story very much of it centers around suffering during the holiday season. And there's somebody who's listening right now who does not feel like manufacturing the holidays or feels like, well, do I have to? Because I mean, everybody else is doing it, but I'm not feeling joyful. What would y'all say to someone who is in that space right now where this is supposed to be the season of, of joy and hope and just all of this levity and they're just not experiencing that yeah i i think i mean first of all that it's okay like like lauren said like it's um god gave us emotions emotions are are good gifts from god and so um i think to allow yourself space first of all to give yourself permission to um to feel sorrow to feel grief and that to be okay and that if you do have moments where you feel joy and you feel um, happy and content, even in the midst of walking through pain, like not to feel guilty. I mean, we lost, um, we lost as we had to say goodbye a week before Christmas. And so I know for at least my experience, like there were moments of Christmas where a lot of moments where I wasn't feeling joyful and then moments where I would, and I would feel conflicted somehow of like wanting to hold on to the pain because I want to hold on to him and yeah, to 
It was like a connection to Ezra. Yeah. And yeah. And even like, it's hard as you walk further and further away of like the pain of losing him. Like you think about it, you know, that first week, it's like, you think about it every minute and then every hour and then, you know, every couple hours, you like, it just kind of slowly, you're not constantly consumed by it and that's okay. And so to give yourself space and permission to grieve and to um, have joy and not to feel bad, like, oh, well, I'm a downer here at Christmas time with my family or whatever. And um, like having a plan to, you know, what that looks like, what you, whatever you need in your own personality and to give yourself just like the permission to experience joy when that comes and not to allow the enemy, the accuser to accuse you that somehow by doing that, you're not honoring like the, whatever the circumstance is, the difficulty that you've walked through. So, yeah. And I think it's, it's helpful to remember, like we are very human beings can be very emotionally complex and we can hold a lot that seem like polar opposites at the same time. So like at Christmas, Last year, I remember feeling like so much joy in watching our daughter, you know, experience all the fun of Christmas. And simultaneously, it was also a dagger to my heart watching those same things because Ezra wasn't there with her. And so like, it's okay to have both and and to voice both, like to create space to recognize like, yeah, I can be like real, like joyful and sorrowful simultaneously and like, wow, like that is amazing that God created us to be able to have the capacity for that. And so, um, it's, it's also, I think important to create the space to have a trusted person or a family member or friend that you can just be honest and express how you are feeling. And, and as we take the time to talk about how we're feeling um, allow tears and emotion to be expressed. Like that is a part of the healing process. We don't do ourselves favors when we hold it in, but we were to be able to metabolize those negative emotions. We have to express them through um, sharing and, um, you know, allowing the tears to come if, if, if it is um, that. And, and that is a part of how we move towards healing. So, yeah, I mean, for people that are, you know, maybe walking into holiday seasons um, and just, are dreading all the reminders of who's not here or reminders of painful experiences or around painful relationships, like create your, give yourself grace, create space to process that. And that's good. And know that God is with you and he sees you in that. And it's also, it's okay to have both the the negative and the positive emotions. Like they can coexist and like, yeah, we praise God for the good and we also cry about the heart and that's okay. And pray more. I mean, just practically like that was taking it to the Lord in prayer, expressing it and, you know, whatever I was feeling, that was where the the deeper intimacy came from was seeking him. And I think in the midst of this, you know, when we think about Christmas specifically that that is what we are celebrating is our savior coming to us in our broken state to be with us in it. And prayer is how we experience that. Community is how we experience that. All these different pieces are how we know tangibly in our everyday lives today what that name of Emmanuel really, Mm, really means. God with us, yeah. That's right. 
Lauren, Michael, thank you so much for just all of your insight and sharing with us just what God has been doing in your lives and opening that piece up to us. Would you tell listeners about the book and how they can follow along with you? Yeah. So the book is called Beyond Our Control. The subtitle is Let Go of Unmet Expectations, Overcome Anxiety and Discover Intimacy with God. And you can find it on Amazon or most places that books are sold. It's also in all Hobby Lobby stores across the country. And we'd love to hear from people that grab a copy or are reading it and just hear, you know, how people are processing it. So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Lauren A. McAfee and Michael is Michael McAfee. Great. And I will include links in the show notes to make it easier for everybody to find you in the book. Um, Just thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being with me for this episode today. I hope you'll come back again. And in the meantime, you can follow me over on social media and find out about our resources and services over at uncommonvalor.co. 